Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today on episode 314. We've got another great show for you today as we are continuing our new series highlighting student success stories from the Speaker Lab. Now, our second speaker in this series is Rocky Garza, who does uh, most of his work in the corporate space, helping people build the confidence and conviction that they need to build a life that they believe in. Now, like a lot of folks who come through the Speaker Lab, Rocky did some interesting things in his past life prior to getting into speaking. He was a youth pastor and a wedding photographer, and you're gonna hear all about how and why he transitioned from those career paths, as well as how he eventually found speaking and coaching. I loved hearing about how he pivoted during the pandemic to keep his business moving forward. And I love the advice that he gives toward the end of the episode for folks interested in pursuing a career as a speaker. So make sure you listen to that. I've loved all of these conversations. I especially enjoyed this one with Rocky. He is a really, really great human being and a phenomenal speaker. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Let's get right into it. Here is Speaker Lab student Rocky Garza. Enjoy. What's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Today, we're going to be talking with Rocky Garza about his speaking journey, uh, the success and results that he has had. So, uh, Rocky, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, all right. So, first of all, why don't you give us a quick snapshot of how much speaking are you doing? Who are you speaking to? What's the problem that you're solving? Kind of how, how does speaking fit into your world right now? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're definitely in some interesting times. I think it's one thing I've noticed a lot definitely coming out of the speaker lab, but I think across the board for anybody who would categorize himself as a professional speaker that the last four months has definitely been a curveball. Hopefully for most of us, a really well needed curveball. Yeah. Uh, I think at least for me, I know it's really forced me to come back to, I, I think even a lot of things that initially when I, when I jumped in the speaker lab and the content for booked and paid to speak, literally going back to, it's forced me to kind of come back to go, who am I really? And what do I really want to talk about? And if I'm going to do this again via Zoom and put out four times the amount of energy uh, to try to have people engaged on those 50, 49 tiny windows I see. What is that going to look like? And so, uh, so yeah, definitely like post post COVID looks a little bit different than it did before that. But um, yeah, so I uh, I spend about a third of my time uh, speaking, uh, a third of my time in in workshops. So I, I for me, I kind of lump those together. The, the mm-hmm. keynote speaking from the stage and the workshop thing fits together. Most of what I do uh, is 90 minutes to six hours long. Uh, and so I, I don't necessarily fit in the traditional 40 minute hop on, do my thing and roll out. Uh, the more time they'll give me, the better. That's kind of how I look at it. So everybody always asks, how much time do you need? I say, well, how much time can you give me? <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, so for me, my focus is really on uh, what I just refer to as like, I, 
identity, identity of an individual, and then how that plays into the roles or the positions we fill. Uh, mostly that's in the corporate space. Um, I definitely spend some time in education with principals, with leaders and things like that. But really, if I had to kind of narrow it down, it's uh, my, my phrase is I, I, I want to be able to help you build the confidence and conviction you need to build a life you believe in. Uh, and so I think for me, that typically starts with the self, our ability to have a clear picture. Um, and I think one thing that, that COVID has done for me is given me the phrase to go, I think a lot of us have spent a lot of our time uh, looking out the window, but we thought it was the mirror. And, and, and the mm-hmm. pandemic has given us the ability to pause and reassess, uh, to come back to go, maybe in fact, I wasn't looking in the mirror. And now when I do reflect back in the mirror, uh, am I doing that because I want to look good for somebody else? Or am I doing that because I believe what I see reflected back to me is good. And mm-hmm. so I think, uh, you know, from, from the stage, that's, that's my hope and my desire is I want to be able to, um, even though it sounds a little creepy when I say it out loud, but I think I found uh, from the stage there's a window to people's soul, especially when they're at work, that they don't close all the way because they don't think anyone's going to try to get in there uh, because they're at work. It's, a, it's, it's just work. And, and my goal is to I let them realize that uh, it's open a little bit and do what we can in 90 minutes to get that as open as far as possible and allow them to do that with the people they spend eight hours a day, five days a week with and really go, okay, what does that look like for me? And, and oh, wow, and, and Jim actually likes me and I showed him who I really was and he still likes me. Yeah. Maybe we may be onto something here. Yeah. Rocky Garza coming out of the gate strong, dropping wisdom here. All right. So are you, are you speaking full time or is this just something on the side or how does speaking fit into things? Yeah. So I mean, a speaker slash coach, I've, I've pushed against the word coach probably for the first five and a half years that I've had this business. Cause I don't know. I don't know why I had this, I had this, I had this false image of what a coach was. And I was like, I refuse. I'm not going to yeah. do it. Um, and I was actually on somebody else's podcast and he, uh, when I went back in the show notes, he referred to me as Rocky Garza identity coach. And I was like, wait a second, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm willing to be a coach. Uh, so yeah, I would say it's, it's for sure, for sure full-time. I mean, I, I, I do some one-on-one and group coaching as well. So whether that's with, you know, you and me one-on-one or I do uh, group coaching for individuals. So uh, gender specific six folks at a time max through a four month process. So yeah, spend, spend all of my time speaking workshops, uh, what used to be in-person experiences, which is now just the, the perfect Zoom experience yep, yep. Um, and then doing coaching with folks. Nice. Okay. So let's go back in time for a second. So yeah. uh, what were you doing pre-speaking, pre-coaching? What was your world like? Yeah. So I, uh, I graduated college um, and then I went to a place called Sky Ranch. It's a big summer camp here in Texas. Um, I was the director there. I was a counselor there uh, my last year of college and I was a full-time staff member there for about four years. So I was the director for junior high and senior high age kids. Um, I left there, came back to Dallas. I was actually on pastoral staff at a church for about three and a half years. Um, got offered at that time when I was there, what I thought was my dream job, which was um, a teaching pastor job of a church of about 5,000 folks. And they said, Hey, do you want to, you know, I was 27 at the time, had cool hair and one tattoo. So I like fit the bill perfectly. <laughs> and they said, no, do you, do you want to uh, be a teaching pastor for us? And I didn't, I wasn't very self-aware then, but I was self-aware enough to know that I was a jerk. Uh, and I was way more interested in you shaking my hand when I walked off stage than I was teaching you about God. Uh, and that's a really, that's a really crappy reason to be a pastor. And so I said, Hey, it's, it's, this is a bad idea. Like I really want to say yes. Cause I want to be famous and uh, but that's a bad move. And they said, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I want to be a wedding photographer. Uh, and that was more like a, a business. My wife had started the year prior. We were doing it together and it was like, Hey, I need a break from this world. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up this seems like something we can do that makes money. It's fun. And we get to spend time together. Let's try that. And so that was in 2000 and in early 2011. And so my wife and I shot weddings full time for about five and a half years together. Uh, It was fun. We traveled the world, 
uh, other people paid for it. It was great. Really for us though, I think in that time frame, which I, I, I say all this, I know it's a little bit long winded, but I say this because I think it really does affect and play into what I do now uh, as a speaker is that uh, that five-year period gave us the ability to spend uh, a large amount of time really assessing our marriage and who we were as individuals and that our mar- the issues in our marriage were not the marriage's problem. It was the individual's problem. Mm-hmm. And so how do we really focus on that? So we really had five years, like go to counseling. And then we were wedding photographers. So we worked on Saturdays, which, you know, in the, in the creative world, everyone who thinks you're a wedding photographer is like, you work one day a week. It's great. And you're like, right. Yeah. Cause the business just runs itself. Um, <laughs> so, but we really did, we're able to go to counseling and then like, on a Wednesday and like I could spend 48 hours just processing that and no one bothering me. Like I didn't have to go back to work at 3 PM. You know what I mean? But I think what that did is it like sparked this part of me that, that I think allowed me to go, how many stories in my life have I been telling myself that may in fact may not be true, but I've never stopped long enough to actually examine where the narrative came from. And so if I really were to look at where the story came from, would, would I live a different life? Would I live a different story because I knew what was true or am I just trying to be better for somebody else? And I obviously didn't have that language in the throes of it. In the throes of it, you're like, just can I have a day where I'm not crying? But, right. uh, and by low key, there's nothing wrong with crying. Uh, and so I think in that, I led to this place of going, okay, we shot weddings for five and a half years. I learned about branding, learned about business. Like we kind of like rode the wedding, wedding industry wave when there wasn't an industry. So we got really lucky there. Um, found out we were pregnant with our son. Well, not we, my wife, but you're supposed to say we. Uh, we're pregnant with our son in early 2015. And we were both like, do we really want to shoot 40 weddings a year for the rest of our life and have kids? And really, we said no. And my wife said, if you could do anything, what would you want to do? Uh, and I didn't say this eloquently, but I said, if I could attempt to become an expert in anything in my life, I'd want to be a people expert. Like if I could find a way to really help individuals have clarity and confidence in who they are and to build a life of deep meaning and value, I want to do that. And she said, great, you should do that. And I said, okay. So I went online. I deleted our photography website that day and said, we're no longer photographers. We're not doing this anymore. Um, Just like that? Just like that. Uh, I said, we'll shoot the rest of weddings we have booked, but we're not booking them anymore. And I say I launched this business, but we all know that means I just put on Facebook that I had a new Squarespace website. Um, And so I started that probably early 2015. uh, So a little over five, five and a half years ago. Obviously, that's five and a half years, like any industry and any business, it binge and changes and switches and you do one thing like I was good at that, but also not good at that. I should not do that anymore. Uh, And it's kind of has ebbed and flowed and really found myself. uh, I would honestly say like right before I found you guys, uh, found myself going, okay, I know I believe something deeply. I know I have the ability to capture people's attention because it's been my survival mechanism my whole life, but I'm tired of using my gifts as a means to survive. I want to use who I am as a means to thrive and help other people find clarity as well. And what does that look like? And so I think the ability to really hone in and go, okay, what do I speak about? What am I passionate about? What is my expertise? What is my experience? What is my story? What is my, how do I really pare that down to go? I don't, I don't want to have to say I'm better than Grant on stage. I want to be able to say what I have to say on stage is so unique and specific to me that we should go be able to go back to back and it's equally valuable. It's not better or worse. It's just, it's just truer to me. Um, And so I've somehow I found myself in the corporate world. Like obviously you can tell my story. I've never had a corporate job. I've actually never had a resume or done an interview in my life. Um, 37, which is really weird, but I find myself in the corporate space almost exclusively. But I think a part of that is because there's a level of what I hope to be a level of unapologeticness. I don't know if that's a real word, but we'll pretend it is that I, deeply desire for myself and therefore deeply desire for others that I think is really refreshing in that space. And so I think as I look back at my life and kind of see this arc of uh, what I do now on stage 
tries to be a, a 50% representation of the work and the mud that I am in now in my life, which that my credit, I think my credibility is my de- desire to want to consistently work alongside you. Yeah. And the other 50% is how do I craft my story in a way that finds touch points that allows you to go, man, me too. Oh, your kid said that? Me too. Oh, your wife said that? Oh, me too. Oh, your partner said that? Me too. Oh, you're unsure too? Okay. Okay. So you're the expert and unsure also. F- feels better. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll listen mm-hmm. now. And so, um, you know, it, it, it is funny looking back. I was actually talking to my grandma a couple of days ago and she said, do you remember when you were little when people used to ask you what you wanted to do? You said you wanted to be a motivational speaker. And really? I was like, you got to be kidding me. And, you know, I was like, who, 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 what, what five-year-old says that, you know? Uh, yeah, but I think there's, I think in all of us, regardless if we think we're going to be a, a we want to, you know, speak full-time or not, I think, I think there's something unique and distinct about every human, a human being. That's a, that's a, that's a fundamental core belief I have about yeah. humanity. I think a lot of us were just illiterate to the language of ourself, right? Like it's not, it's not that again, I think, and that's a, I think it's a huge part of what, what, you know, at least for me, when I go back and look at my notes and think about like, what did book, book and pay to speak do for me? Like, I think it allowed me to build the language for myself so that I didn't have to be illiterate about myself any longer. And I could give words to what I felt and what I knew. And I think that allowed me to begin to craft a story around other, something that other people could get behind. What do you mean about that? Like a, from a, a speaker perspective, because it's one thing to do that as a human. It's another thing to do that as a speaker of understanding what that language is so that you're not like in your words, you said, you're, you're, I'm not illiterate, um, but I understand what it is to be a speaker. Well, how did that, how did that process go for you? Yeah, I think for me, it would allow me to tie the two things you just described together and realize they're much more uh, intertwined than I used to think they were. Like my, my personal values of vulnerability, experience, intimacy, generosity, fearlessness, uh, those are my human values. Like Rocky Garza, that's what the five things I value most. Uh, those are also the five things I'm going to bring to the stage every single time. And when it comes to speak, I am going to show up in a corporate setting. I don't have business casual. I wear raw denim rolled up with no show socks, no, no show socks and loafers, uh, a shirt only with a front tuck because if they do it on Queer Eye and it looks good, I'm going to do it too. Uh, <laughs> I have my hat on. I have big eyebrows. I'm bald. Uh, and I got a little briefcase I carry with me. And that's not business casual. That's like who hired this guy with that hat to come here. That's very weird. And it's not a show. It's not like I wear that to speak and no one ever sees it. I literally wear that everywhere I go. So like, I want to show up with me. I want to be on stage and I want them to know from the beginning, I, I, there's a level of fearlessness and vulnerability, both. And they're not opposites, but together that then when I, words come out of my mouth, like I want you to feel, I have a, and to me, intensity equals intimacy. That's my phrase. That's not, I don't think ever human, but that for sure is true about Rocky Garza. Hence my voice, my speed, my like, it's my litmus test to go, are you going to stay here? Are you willing to be in it? Well, uh, I didn't have the language to know that, intim- that, that intensity equals intimacy. I thought I was too much, too intense, too wordy, talk too fast. Nobody cared. Well, when I had the language for myself, though, I realized I could step on stage and I didn't have to apologize for being me. I was actually being paid to show up as me. And that's actually the most b- powerful thing. Not even my message, not even the, not the, my slides, not my, like, you and I have both seen folks that have no slides. They slay it. Folks that have 140 and they slay it. And it looks like, and you felt like you only saw two. It's, yeah. it's, but I think it's because those things are crafted in a way that it matches our humanity. So I don't have to apologize and become something different on stage. No pun intended. If you're listening to this, you can't see the video. I have a, I have a hat on. I wear like a Stetson hat everywhere. Like I only want to wear one hat every day. Me. And I want to show up in a blue cross blue shield and me. I want to show up at Dallas independent school district. Me. I want to show up coaching you and me, me. 
because I want to draw that out of you as well, because I think there's an immense amount of clarity and freedom that we can find to do that. But I think we lose sight as speakers sometimes that we go, I got to go put on a show so that I'll be liked and paid as opposed that I'm going to show up and be me so that I will be, so that I have the ability to communicate who I am and be paid. Yeah. And those are, those are, maybe, maybe it's a, in some of us, it's just semantics or a mental switch. But I think that was a, that was a massive place for me to go. You don't have to craft a story that's not real. You have to do the work to understand your own so you can actually get up and talk about it. Yeah. So early on though, when you make the decision of going, okay, I'm done being a photographer and I know that I want to speak and I know that I want to help people, which is the spot where a lot of people find themselves in. We do this because yes, we want to make a living. Yes, we want to eat and live indoors, but like we genuinely enjoy speaking. We genuinely enjoy helping people, but that can take a lot of different forms whenever it comes to being a speaker, you know? So the speaker who's going like you early on saying, I want to, I just want to speak and I just want to help people. Like that's great. But it's really hard to make a business around like, I just want to help people, right? Because it's kind of for everybody and nobody at the same time. Yeah. So you, you kind of make it like nonchalant as far as like, yeah, then I just kind of fell into corporate. I was like, yeah, but like something happened between point A and point B. So how did you land on corporate? How did you decide like, what does that look yeah. like to actually help people in a way that companies or organizations or schools or churches or whoever finds value in and they say, we are willing to pay you money to come speak yeah. to our people about how they can find their own identity. So yeah. what, can you yeah. give us any more on that, what that process yeah, yeah. looked like for you? Yeah, I think for me, it was, it was beginning to hone in and understand what problem existed in the corporate space that people who already work there weren't willing to talk about. Like, I think for me, that's probably the first like key light bulb moment I had was to go, yeah, they're an HR department, but, but in 2020, HR is compliance. HR is not actually being a human resource. It is a, can you keep the humans from uh, blowing each other up? HR departments. Like right. it's just not what it, you know, it's not what it used to be. Uh, and so the, is there, uh, most organizations are in a hierarchical, uh, organizational chart. You got this guy or this girl who reports to this person and this person too rungs down, doesn't get to talk to that person. They're not humans anymore. They're just placeholders. So I guess I think as I looked at the structure of corporate going, okay, what is a need that exists there based on the humans that actually work there? We don't actually get the opportunity to show up and be us because if we, if we're too much us, we don't get the promotion. If we're not enough us, people don't know us. So what's the, what's the balance of like being me, but not really showing that to you, but only showing you what I want. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's most people everywhere in life because we, want, we don't actually know who we are. So what if, what if I could find a space that my credibility wasn't based on my certification or degrees? And I'm not knocking that. It's just my story sure. to go. I want you to, I want to see, can I get on stage and help solve a problem for a group that didn't even know that was a problem we were going to talk about today? But I think in that was like finding leaders of organizations who realized they wanted that for their staff, but they knew they weren't the person to solve that problem. Yeah. Like Mark, actually marketing departments are actually who hire me to come to the sales conference because they're, they're, they're able to tie in and go, Hey, this guy talks about self, but it makes people feel good, which means they'll make, they'll sell more things. Okay, great. Let's do that. <laughs> like, sounds awesome. And then we right. get in there and I'm like, Hey, put, write your job title down. Now scratch it out because nobody cares and neither do I. We have two hours. Let's go. Like, and so I think there's a, a level of which I think I've found the ability to connect and hook, if you will, the, the, the humanity and the vulnerability of us as people that um, is, I think is very hard for someone to do when they're on the inside of an organization. Yeah. But if we can bring the unbiased third party guy who's a little bit odd and doesn't really fit here, people tend to trust him a little bit more 
because he's a little bit quirky and maybe the quirkiness is like the excuse for them being willing to jump in the deep end with me. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, you know, it was working with individuals, individuals then led to a friend, a friend who has a small business of 50 or less, you speak there, they like it, but guess what? If a, co- a person, you know, owns a company of 50 or less, they also know somebody that owns a company of 5,000 or more. And they, you, you, it's, you know, relationally based, you meet with people, you solve a problem they have, you be unapologetic and candid about who you are. You become polarizing. People love you or they despise you, which is a beautiful thing. I, if you despise me, that is great. Please do not email me. I would much rather have my time back. Uh, and oh, but you, but, is, but you do like it. Okay. Then uh, for me, it was a hundred pre-COVID, a hundred percent of meetings as best as possible that are local. I'm coming to your office. I know it's more time. I know it's more energy. I need you to see my face though, for you to really believe what I'm going to tell you is going to happen to your staff on the phone. You're probably not going to believe me. Yeah. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps to help me to grow a seven figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. So, okay, a couple things that you said there that I'm curious on. You mentioned that that you're kind of identifying this problem that exists within within corporate, but you also, you mentioned earlier, you don't have any background in corporate. So how did you kind of figure out like, hey, this is a real need. This is a real challenge that corporations are dealing with it, that uh, they're struggling with, but uh, you hadn't necessarily been on that side of it. So one, how did you land on that? Uh, but then two, how you, you kind of touched on this as, a, as, a, as, as you talked about the um, the, the framing of it, especially with sales and marketing that, Hey, if I can get your, if I can get your people to think differently, if I can get them to interact differently, they're going to sell more, which ultimately in sales and marketing, that's what they're interested in. You know, so if you just come through the angle of, um, I'm going to help your people feel better about themselves, or I'm going to help them find a new identity. They're going, I don't care about that. Oh, but I'm going to do that. That's going to lead to this thing that you want. So how did you, again, first think through the uh, understand the corporate need having not been in corporate and then two how did you kind of land on the framing of it to almost like here's what their problem is but here's mm. the wrapping paper i need to talk i need to uh put on there because this is what they they yeah. want the wrapping paper but here's the thing inside the wrapping paper that they really actually need yeah so i think for the first one uh i'm gonna i'm gonna use the phrase like i think it, I, what happened is i i used my one of my lifelines and i phoned a friend uh, and so I think I had two friends I phoned, uh, when it comes like, how did I identify a corporate problem, even though I wasn't in that space? So, uh, one, I think from a overarching standpoint, again, just uh, unashamed plug, like I would say the content I got from the speaker lab, like that's the first f- f- friend that I phoned to go, Hey, I need a framework to think through. Do I, am I even asking myself the right questions to know where I, where I fit and where I land? Right. Like, how do I create this? And can I talk about this for five, the next five to 10 years? And does the industry even care about the topic? And right, we can go through the questions that we kind of work ourselves through in that. That then led me to then phone another friend. Phone friend number two was, well, most of everybody that I know in my circles work in corporate. They're not entrepreneurs. They're not like, that's where they are. Yeah. And so over every cocktail, every dinner, every party, every, they all say the same thing. I don't really like my job. <laughs> uh, 
my boss doesn't really know who I am. I have some friends there, but I just, I don't, I just don't feel free. Like I think clarity and freedom were probably the two words I landed on earliest that I was look, I was trying to always come back to, to go, do you feel free at work? Do you, do you have clarity about yourself at work? The answer was always no. So then, okay, then how can do I, can I got to go back then to my first friend to go, did my first friend help me paint a picture that allowed me to go, is that my solution or not? Cause if not, I don't care how much clarity or freedom you want. If I can't solve that for you, then I'm no value. I'm of no value yeah. uh, regardless of the environment. And so I think to hone in on what the problem was specifically in the corporate space was one, the corporate space felt like a challenge and I'm always up for a good challenge. So I think that's probably how I honed in on that arena. Cause I was like, you're right. Certifications, jobs, applications, never had them. Anyway, <laughs> good morning, you guys. We're glad we're here. Like I, I like, I like, I, I like being that guy. Um, right. Good, better, and different. I'd like that. I'd like being that person. But I think as I was able to begin to see, Oh, the problems that I'm identifying specific to the industry, at least in my experience were problems that were specific to the individual. And I, and I don't, I don't think I, you, you would know better than me. I don't know if I have enough research data or experience to make this claim and re- it really be fully true. But I think that's probably true, f- at least in the vein of things that I speak about for most industries is that most industries are based with, they're full of people and most of those people feel the same way. And most of those feelings and the needs they have at, when it relates to their humanity are quite similar. Mm-hmm. Now, so which that leads us to our second part, you said, then how do we make sure that we package and wrap it in the right way that it's, it's there? So if fundamentally we're, most human beings have similar needs, desires, wants, and issues to be solved, uh, we all have a different method in which we're going to do that. Uh, booked and paid to speak, the curriculum will take you through and help you figure out your way that you help solve those basic needs and problems, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, you know, listen, obviously n- knowing you via the program, listening to the podcast and so on. Like I remember very early on, one of the things that you said over and over and over is like, if you want to speak, speak, period. If you want to be a speak, if you want to be a speaker, speak. Otherwise, you don't actually want to be a speaker. You want to you want to think that you are and have a highlight reel, but you're never on stage. So that's not being a speaker. You didn't say that. I added that part. But you just said, if you want to speak, speak, right? And so I think going, okay, then the packaging, well, the packaging is taking me, the problem that exists, using the curriculum to go, for, at least for me, to be able to go through that and go, okay, what does that look like? And how, how is that crafted in a way that makes sense? And then being able to go, okay, uh, I want to help humans and I want to help them understand themselves and the people who have money to spend are sales and marketing. That's who spends money for their teams because uh, people spend money on the people who go make money. Yeah. Not that HRs don't have great conferences, but they don't have a ton of them. Uh, and the ones they do have aren't that great, at least in my experience. Why? Because they don't make a lot of money and they're just happy to get out and not be in charge of somebody. So, uh, you know, like where those spaces are and then going, okay, what is it to your point? Let's reverse engineer it. What is sales and marketing looking for? They want to make more money. They want their people to be effective. They want them to be efficient. And the data would show that most people in corporate America do not feel effective, efficient, or appreciated. Yeah. Great. So then the message I came up with is I want to spend the perfect amount of quality and quantity amount of time with your people. We need both so that we can help them create a vulnerable experience so that they can walk away more effective, efficient, and b- deeply believing in what they do. And I can guarantee your, R- your ROI is not going to be on day one after the conference. It's going to be on day 31 when they actually realize they can show up every day and be who they are. Hmm. And so going back outward to what are they looking for, coming back into what is that thing and what is their language, back to the root of it for me, what do I believe I can really do up there? knowing my limited control, you have me for two hours on a four day conference out of 365 days. I don't know the math. That's a very low percentage. I'm going to be with your people. What is it? Can I do? Can I instill foundationally though? That gives them the ability to come back to that space. Idea that it's fruitful for a long period of time. 
I want to shift gears for a second. Uh, obviously, right now is uh, it's weird. Uh, the the world has shifted dramatically. Uh, I get the sense that what you do uh, really you rely heavily on being with people, looking at people in the eye, reading audiences, being in a small group for a long period of time, doing all the things that are sometimes difficult to duplicate and replicate in a Zoom setting or in an online setting. So as all of this has unfolded for the past several months, how have you thought about, how have you pivoted and shifted your business to get the results that, that organizations and companies still need? That's one thing we've been saying a lot of, is just because this is happening right now doesn't mean that organizations and groups or companies, churches, schools, whoever, all of a sudden that their problems have magically disappeared. Those problems are still there and in some cases even, yeah. even uh, heightened or exemplified even more so. So what does it look like for you to, to provide a solution in the current COVID climate? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, early on, I definitely like, I think most people had this moment of panic that I was like, well, there goes, I'm the, I'm the experienced more than one hour guy that who wants to be on zoom for an, more than an hour at a time, right. no human being. So definitely had that moment. And then I think came back around to going, okay, let's, if I really go back to the root of what is it that in a, in a, in a group of 15 in our, in our space here in Dallas on a stage in Vegas or, you know, via zoom, any of those three places, what is the thing coming, coming back for myself that has been tried and true, that is true about people and that is the reality of where we are, especially now? Uh, so I think one is reminding myself that, that uh, I am a human being and the person on the other side of the Zoom call probably feels exactly how I feel. Uh, and so for me, I try to acknowledge what is real and what is happening from the, from, from the get go. And so I made, I pulled for me really practically. I went through the last two years, I pulled an Excel file of every person that I've that I was paid that paid me to speak in any way, shape or form. Uh, I put together a back end page on my website. Um, and, uh, that just said, Hey, here's a four week series that I'm doing. Uh, here's what it a flat rate. Here's what it costs for your team to participate in that series. Um, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know it's overwhelming. I know your conference got canceled. I know there's three of them we were supposed to be at. We weren't at, and it sucks, sucks for all of us. Uh, I want for you just to show up. Here's the dates, here's the topics, and here's how it relates to what you're doing. If you're interested, I'd love to know about it. Let me know. If nothing else, I'll reach out next week via phone and just check in on you guys, see how you're doing, see if there's any workshops or anything you need just for where, even if it's just holding space for your staff. Uh, that single thing probably has led to the, the last 10 things I've been paid to speak at via Zoom was the initial reaching out and going, hey, I just want you to know that I'm where you're at. I know it's hard. I know how it feels. I know it's difficult. And you and I both know your people at home. Uh, we're, they're not working from home. They're at home during a pandemic trying to figure out how to work. So mm -hmm. let's just call it for what it is. And let's, let's meet them where they are and slowly build them back to the place we desire for them to be, not just pretend nothing's changed. And here I am again, it's just Zoom, new background, new medium, but let's get it going. Like, <laughs> uh, that's, not, that's, not, that's not real. That's not, that's not actually what's happening. And so I think for me, in the midst of the pandemic has been going, how can I meet people where they are? Be candid about how we both really feel but also be unapologetic about what I believe I still can do and your people still need. And then when we show up on Zoom, I'm going to say, I got, you know, 42 principles yesterday for four hours on Zoom going, hey, listen, buckle up. It's, I need to turn off all your notifications, get rid of everything, put a distraction away. You have not given yourself four hours just for you in the last five and a half months. I can guarantee you, is that true? 100% of the heads nod. And I go, great, then we're already winning. Let's start right there. 
get your pen and paper out. You got two minutes to get yourself together. Let's go. And so I think it's, it's both uh, metaphorically thinking about the way we in actually interact on Zoom, taking that a step back and going, how do I use that same process I would do there as it applies to reaching out to people, following up with people, checking in on people. Uh, we started a service, um, we called it obviously, uh, it's called the Daily Rock. Uh, just play off my name because my name's Rocky, not a lot of those. Um, but it's a service where anybody can sign up. They can literally send a text message to a phone number. Uh, it's a real phone number. You can text back and forth. Uh, and we send a text message Monday through Friday um, every morning as a way to challenge, encourage, and motivate you as a human and where it is. The amount of business that we've gotten off of that just by sending a text message to 400 people every morning just because we want to. Does it cost me money? Yep. Uh, is it super cheap? Nope. Uh, in the last five and a half months, is there one person they've thought about every single morning at 8 a.m.? Yes. And five months from now, do I hope they're still thinking about that same person? Yes. And so again, I, I, I want to be able to tell you because I'm such a brilliant marketer, I was ready for the pandemic and just slid right in. Uh, we all know that's not how anything happens. Yeah. Uh, everybody has had to pivot. Pivot doesn't mean you get rid of who you are. Pivot means you make a small intermittent change in a slight direction to just take you to a course that you were already planning. Uh, you just didn't know you were planning for it yet. Yeah. So for someone who may be listening right now, who's going uh, where you were a few years ago and going, okay, maybe I'm doing something. I don't enjoy it. I don't want to keep doing this. I want to be a speaker, but I don't know what I don't know. And there's this, I, I'm, I'm the one that told my grandma years ago, I don't even remember it, but I want to be a motivational speaker. And now the time mm -hmm. has come and I'm ready to, to step into the ring. But again, I, I just, I don't know what to do next. What would you say to that speaker looking back on, on knowing what you know now, what advice would you give them? Spend the next 30 days and do, do nothing but have a very, do, do the work to find a very clear picture of who you are as a human being. The things you value most, I define, you know, the things you value most we say is why you do what you do. Be very clear and be able to tell me in less than 60 seconds why you do what you do as a human being. Think about what your strengths are. When I say strengths, I'm not talking about that you can speak. Uh, ideally, you can speak or you shouldn't be a speaker. So let's assume you can speak. Strengths are like how you do what you do. How you human? How do you see the world? What do your eyes see that nobody else sees? And then the third part I would say is like, and then what do you hope to accomplish for anybody who's in front of you? you have an audience of two or an audience of 2,000. What do you want them to walk away with because of what it is you value? Because of how you human and how you see the world, if you put those together, what is the thing that you could get on stage and be able to say, this is who I am, this is why it matters, and this is what I believe about you? If you can, if you can do that for yourself without having to be on stage, then you come back, and if you're not already, you sign up for Booked and Paid to Speak. You go through that. You get clarity on, because uh, I think the, 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 the fortunate thing for me is that that's the work I had been doing. So when I met this, I, I'll refer to it as you, like when I met you and I met this, it made so much sense because it allowed me to take what I knew to be true about myself and then make it where it applied and it was applicable. It wasn't just information in my brain. It was like, oh, this, this is what I value. This is what I do. This is how it makes sense. Here's the framework. It, yeah. uh, frameworks don't work though if you have nothing to put in them. And, and, and I don't think anybody outside of yourself and putting in the effort has the ability to build the guts that are going to go inside the framework. Otherwise, you're just making it up and you hope people like it. And then when they don't, you feel really sad and you'll never be a speaker you, and, and, and replace speaker with anything. That just happened to be the content or the, the, the topic of what you and I are talking about. Yeah. Uh, that relate it to being a husband, relate it to being a partner, relate it to being a father, relate it to being a, my kids don't care about anything that I have to say unless I understand deeply why it is I'm saying what I want to say to them. 
And then all of a sudden they want to pay attention. It's, 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 I think it translates in so many different areas, but, but there's nothing, there's no guts. There's no meat for us to put on the bones booked and paid to speak are beautiful bones. And they lay that bad boy out. It just makes sense. You got to have the meat though, to put on the bones. And so somebody who was where I was two years ago, uh, I would say, uh, trust the process, put in the work, understand yourself. If you expect to get up and be able to communicate anything effectively or eloquently enough for somebody else to believe it in themselves. Beautiful. Very well said. Dude, I love this conversation, man. This has been a lot of fun. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? Yep. You can just go to rockygarza.com. That's R-O-C-K-Y-G-A-R-Z-A. There's not a lot of us. I'm bald, wear a hat and have big eyebrows. So just look for those. You can uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the same, just at Rocky Garza, um, Facebook slash Rocky Garza, LinkedIn slash in dash Rocky Garza, however that works for you. Um, yeah. And then if uh, any of those places, you can check the link in bio on Instagram. You can join the daily rock that we call it. We also do a thing called the weekly rock every Friday at noon on Instagram live, just a place for us to chat challenge, see where we are and what we're doing. I would love to hear from you. And then, uh, anything we can do to support you never hesitate to reach out. Rocky. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. And again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.